So should we go? Uh, yeah, hold, oh, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was kind of spacing out. Hi everybody, and welcome. Looks like I'm getting on-the-go feedback from from Doug. Welcome to the Film Insert Podcast. My name I mean, is Adam. No reason, there's no reason to start it if it's going to suck. We can always fix that. Like, we My name have- is Adam Fairholm, and uh, with me is Doug Klinger. Hi, Doug. Hey. Oh, we're, hey. we're going. I'm not, I'm not stopping. I, I caught up. I caught that. I the, found out. The pros don't stop. I'm a pro, therefore we don't stop. Yeah, I, fi- I figured that you were talking about us. You did say the pros. So, Doug, how's it going? Everything a good week for you? Super good week. Super good week. Good, good. Uh, we've had the site up, uh, the new version. We're pounding away with a lot of cool new features. And we'll... I think we're we're nipping on the heels of Facebook as far as visitors. Right. Almost there. It's funny. Our one Linode server is able to handle Facebook level traffic, and when they they're just opening up a data server in Norway, is it Norway? Did you see that? Uh huh. That they're they're opening up near you know up where it's so cold, so they don't have to pay for cooling costs. Isn't that that's pretty clever? Facebook. Yeah. Is doing that. Yeah. Man, and I thought the makers of Facebook were dummies. No, no. Although I did see. We'll put this in the show notes, but I found this hilarious. It was a um, pastebin page. Have you seen this this app? Uh, there's a web app, pastebin, where you it's like a pasteboard, and you put all sorts of images and things that you like. Anyway, uh, he he made a pastebin of uh, Facebook like errors, like production, like things in production that just didn't work. Um, that he and this guy was a former Facebook engineer, so I don't know what that says about him, but it was uh, it was very interesting. I hadn't seen a lot of these, but sometimes you know. It would say, you know, one person likes this and it wouldn't show any people or it would show multiple things of the same thing. Just little, you know, bugs here and there, which I, which were kind of funny to, to see. Comforting. Mm, yes, comforting, especially for someone who, if you're in development, you know what it's like to have bugs. Because you make something and you're, and you're like, oh, this works, you test it. And then the second you get out there, Doug Klinger is like, it doesn't work at all. It is completely broken. It, it lit my computer on fire. Which has happened on several occasions with filmed insert. Hopefully, it won't happen with you. But um, yeah, that's it. It really has never happened. That was a joke. It's important for us to make that distinction in this case. Now that we're big time and we have legal staff, we really need to Mm -hmm. um, make that happen. They tell us. They told us. So, Doug, did you watch Lana Del Rey on Saturday Night Live? I was so excited for this because it was the first time, according to Stereo Gum, that an artist has been invited to. Saturday Night Live uh, to perform without having an album out since 1996 with Natalia and Brulia. And and you see what happened there. It, uh, did you watch it? Uh, Natalia and Brulia? No, 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 no. Oh, uh, Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't need to because I follow Filmed Insert on Twitter and you did a pretty good job summing it up. Yeah, I, 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 I tweeted that um, Lana Del Rey did a poor job of uh, translating what people like about her music videos to the to a live performance. So let me – I think it's important to contrast this with somebody who is a, a much better performer. And uh, let's take the Shakira performance on Saturday Night Live from 2008. Doug, you and I saw us together in a hotel room in Kansas City. Hmm. Um, she performed She Wolf, uh, 2008 on Saturday Night Live, and she was really incredible. And uh, the thing, you know, part of that, you know, when she released that album and she released that song, part of the whole uh, package of that were these kind of these new, very odd dance moves that she was doing that she kind of put into, you know, that were a big part of the um, She Wolf video. I highly recommend that video. Check it out. It's one of the worst videos I've ever se- I've seen in the past ten years, 
and not because it's low budget or anything like that. It's just does it, anyway. We can talk about that another time. But um, you know, a, a big part of that video is you know her kind of star power, not star power, but uh, stage presence, her dancing, and you know showcasing her. And then so when she went to Saturday Night Live, that's what she did. She really, uh, I mean, she wore something similar. Uh, she did kind of really similar uh, dance moves. She did, but she used the space really well. Uh, one of the best moments I think was when she did this kind of weird thing with one of the monitor speakers, where she like hid behind it and looked up, and you know it made for really interesting television. So I guess that you know, and that's why people love Shakira, and that's why they watch her videos because she's a, a really entertaining performer, and she has these things that kind of translate from her music videos into the live performance. So then we have uh, Lana Del Rey, and as a lot of people have talked about, she is mainly known for her music videos right now. Since the summer, she's been almost, almost all the hype and things like that about her have been online. So naturally, the way people know her is through her music videos. So the, the, the persona that she portrays in those music videos makes uh, a big difference. And so the, the three main ones are, you know, video games, which is the first one that got a lot of attention, Blue Jeans, and then Born to Die, which is uh, a much bigger production video. And and one important thing to note is that even when it's not, um, even when it's not a music video and it's just a video like we talked about before, the like the prequel video that she put out where it's just like her topless hugging that guy, um, everything that uh, everything that she puts out online seems to be very very calculated. We we might not always understand what's behind those calculations and 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 what it what it all means necessarily, but it, it does seem to have some kind of meaning, and there does seem to be a lot of pre planning involved with everything that she's doing. She's taking her persona into account all all the time, and so you can't really say that she was you know, never really prepares for stuff. So, you know, maybe that's why her performances wasn't good and and uh and Shakira's was because, you know, Lana Del Rey doesn't plan stuff out. But that's not really the case. She there there's clearly a lot of pre planning in everything that she does. And so something else seemed to have gone haywire in her performance, would you say, Adam? I would because the the persona persona that she's worked to build thus far has been someone who is uh, supremely confident and, but a little bit coy. Um, you know, one of the famous lines she used to describe herself was the uh, gangster Nancy Sinatra. And if you look at like video games, she is not a, obviously not a dancer. She really doesn't move a lot, but she definitely has this attitude um, that's really hard to describe. And it's also in the Born to Die video uh, as well as well as the Blue Jeans video. But the, the persona is someone of uh, confidence, of um, a lot of femininity, but also a, a, a really tough, kind of a tough side to her. And, so, and, the, and the lyrics as well. I mean, she's talking about, you know, every one of her, uh, you know, blue jeans and video games are about guys. They're not, you know, these women empowerment um, videos or songs, but, you know, she does project this very kind of tough but very feminine exterior. So what happened in the in the in the in the performances is that she was v- obviously very n- nervous and she was doing a lot of weird things with her voice. Um like when she says this is part of uh, video games where she says take your body downtown. And she sings it very normally. It's sort of on an equal plane in the song, but in the, in the Saturday Night Perform Night Live performance, she was like "Take your butt down" like that. It was really kind of goofy, and you really couldn't tell what she was doing. She was either up or down. She didn't really have a, a, a middle ground with with the way that the way that she was singing it. And she changed a ton of things from uh, from the way she sings them in the songs and and obviously the videos. So the Lana Del Rey, and also she was very very still. Uh, she looked very, very unsure of herself of, of how to move. She looked scared, really, which is, you know, not the way she's portrayed. So if you tuned in and you didn't know and you were listening to the hype about Lana Del Rey, you saw a completely different person uh, than what was portrayed in, you know, the, the Born to Die video. Not so much the video games and Blue Jeans video, but, espe- you know, especially the, the Born to Die video. 
Can you do that take your body downtown thing for us when we're done? Oh, we should have a clip of it in here. She was like, take your body downtown. And she, it was it was awkward. It, I don't know. It was very strange. More, more or less awkward than yours. I mean, I, <laughs> you're right. you were the right person to connect. Well, and also I want to talk a little bit about the song choice too, which was interesting because this is someone who um, Lana Del Rey initially in, uh, released an EP, and I was generous to call it an EP because it was only two songs. So you released it over the summer, and that was Video Games and Blue Jeans. And Video Games is sort of her breakout song. We're, you know, according to her, it really wasn't supposed to be. Um, but the fact that they made the video for it kind of pro- propelled it to the, that first single status. And then Blue Jeans, is, it's a it's a fine song, but I think Born to Die, especially because it has been the free iTunes single for the week for a week, and they just released this huge budget video. I was really surprised that the second song wasn't Born to Die. So also an interesting song choice there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um... I don't know why she did that because I didn't know that she did that, but um, seems like she was shitty. Well, the Twitter—I mean, Twitter was vicious. Like I've never yeah, you seen got it some before. Re- you got retweets from uh, the the filmed insert account got retweets from sh- complete strangers, no one who even actually follows us, and it was clear that people were just like searching for negativity about Lana <laughs> Del Rey and retweeting it <laughs> because that's that certainly happened with uh with our account so thanks strangers who will never hear this thank you yeah thank you very much for your love of negativity and i yeah i mean as soon as i started watching it i could i could feel her and i was very nervous for her um but i I mean i think that brings up a really interesting point about the uh live performances on television it is funny though, just just for me to mention that I want to say, and um, this may go along with what you're about to say. It, it, but in in this case, it's uh, it is funny that she she would get nervous to perform um, on a sh- on a show where in the past, like they've had you know like five minutes skits de- skits dedicated to bidets. You know, that any like that any like, you know, like, you know, self-respecting pop star who ever graced that stage, I feel like would be like, even though it's in front of a large audience, it's an audience who gets, you know, who propelled freaking, you know, Chris Kattan into the, you know, significance. You know, that's the audience that we're talking about here. So, uh, well, I mean, I would argue that in the on U.S. television, I would argue that there really is not a larger showcase in Saturday Night Live as far as live performance goes and you know, you may say like an award show like the Grammys or something like that but there you're mashed together with you know maybe 10 other artists that are performing your name is kind of bandied about for for an entire week and sometimes months beforehand as this guest a singular guest and it's sort of one of these things where you know it's a weekly show it's not a daily show like you know the Tonight Show or the Conan's show so they have the luxury of really picking who is at the top of their game right now. And I mean, up for the past few seasons, the Saturday Night Live music producers have been fantastic at finding. I mean, they've always been really fantastic at finding great talent that's really timely. And I think they just kind of rolled the dice on Lana Del Rey and it didn't work out, although they got a lot of publicity. So maybe they don't really care. Yeah, I don't think it I don't think it it, it says anything about SNL. Either way, um, I don't even think that thing with Ashley Simpson did anything for negative about SNL when she got caught lip syncing. Um, you no, know, I think I, they I think they realize that it's that it's. I don't think any of that reflects badly at SNL at all. No, but I, I but I do, I still think that like I don't know about you, but there is a it is very rare where I'm not like oh fuck more like music now. I don't get to watch. <laughs> You know what no, I mean? Like, no, no. You, you're like that? I can't like, believe that. I love the no, musical guests. No, no, no. To me, it's like – to me, it's just like another commercial break. It's like there's three commercial breaks in a row for me just, like that. You just don't appreciate it, it. Unless it's someone I like. And, and like I don't I – don't, I don't usually like the band. I don't. It's not typical. I, you know, they're pop and they're significant and, and all that stuff, but it's very rare. Like I think um, – 
you know, I was interested about Lana Del Rey because it was groundbreaking that they were using her, um, even though she doesn't have an album. Um, groundbreaking, maybe overstating it a bit, but it was something unusual that made me want to pay attention. But like prior to that, like I was, ex- you know, I, w- I was interested in like the Black Keys, and then other than them, like I can't think of a band that that has really piqued my interest. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like I'm ever gonna watch the show exclusively for the musical guests whereas like the host i will like the host will make or break whether or not i watch the show well we're in two different camps then i guess so we're can i can i just mention about one more thing about lana del rey is that uh mr kevin slack uh disagrees with your assessment huh well maybe we should invite (laughs) him on to cut the so bring it, fisticuffs, a little fisticuffs between the two of you guys? I don't know. We'll have to see. Bring it it's on. open invitation to Kevin Slack anytime, anywhere. Let's do it. Um, but we must live in the now. And uh, for this podcast podcast episode, we are talking to Dugan O'Neill, who is a music video director. He also does commercials and some really hilarious uh, short films. I highly recommend them. Uh, They feature his family, and if you've ever tried to do anything uh, on video with your family, uh, he has the ultimate family for doing this this sort of thing. They are really awesome. Um, You may have seen uh, his short film series, Toon Renegade Cops, but uh, we are talking about Dugan's music videos today, which include um, last year's really fantastic video uh, for TV on the radio, Will Do, Ellie Goulding's uh, star, starry-eyed uh, music video, which she went to London to do. Um, Jim Class Heroes, Ass Back Home, and uh, a few a few other ones, such as one for A Cloud Light for Eskimo, and uh, one we didn't get to talk to him about, but I really like uh, Greaves on the Rocks. So anyway, uh, before you listen to this interview, go search him out on the site. Uh, Dugan is D-U-G-A-N. Uh, and O'Neill is O-N-E-A-L. I don't know why I'm spelling his name for you. That's a really boring podcast. However, uh, Dugan uh, sat down and talked talk with us about uh, what he's up to. Let's check it out. Our interview with Dugan O'Neill. Uh, my name is Dugan O'Neill. I'm a director. I direct mostly music videos, but also uh, short films, a lot of comedy sketches, and sometimes act in my friends' videos or, or some of my own stuff. And I like to make stuff. Nice. And, yeah. and uh, so recently you have been all over the place. The, the TV on the radio video will do was 18 on NME's 50 best of 2011. You're named uh, one of the top 10 music video directors of 2011 by Entertainment Weekly, which was, um, you know, definitely a, a, a big honor for music video directors. What, uh, I mean, where did this all start for you for, for music videos? Um, I mean, it started, it started a while ago. Um, I mean, Pre-YouTube days, when I was in my early 20s, I started making music videos for different bands and just like, you know, would just find, I mean, it was, it was so, it's just a funny thing about making videos back then, like pre-YouTube and Vimeo and stuff. But um, yeah, I was just like making videos for friends and, and different bands and, and just like then there would really be no place to put the video because <laughs> it was like, so I just would like have it on my computer um, so I did that and then I, and then, like I said, I moved to the Bay and I did a couple music videos up there and, uh, then I, then I started working with this guy, Leighton Kelly and we started making like comedy sketches and that led to, uh, some producers that had a show called Stupid Face down here in LA seeing all the stuff we were doing and they basically gave us money to go make content. And so we made, um, Two Renegade Cops, which I don't know if you've seen that, it's on my site, but it's, uh. It was filmed, it's like 13 mini episodic, uh, 13 episodes, little uh, two minute episodes. And so I, for a long time I was like, oh, I'm totally just going to do comedy stuff because, you know, that's what was happening. And, and we were like doing a lot of stuff together. Brandon Herschel, who also um, 
you know, BMO who does all the visual effects on all the videos you've seen that, I, that I've directed mm-hmm. also did all the uh, effects on that. We were all in Bali, Indonesia together for like six or three months, which is amazing. For two, uh, for two renegade cops? Yeah, it was all shot there. Oh, wow. So when I came back to the States, then, then that really was like taking off because people were really liking that. And then he went and traveled again, and then I, I moved back to L.A. And then I, I, I was kind of, you know, wanting to get back into doing music videos and, you know, looking at different production companies uh, to maybe, you know, to work with. And... I started this thing where I was going to make a new video every week just to force myself to, to make stuff. And so I started doing that, which is like still comedy kind of sketches. And from doing that, I um, oh, this woman, Danielle Hind, who's, uh, who runs Doomsday and used to be the rep over at Partisan, she's, she saw my stuff and then signed me. And then, and then from there, I've just, it's been like pretty, pretty much nonstop music video. Um, so that's kind of been... The path, and there seems to be like a, a distinction in your from your short kind of comedy videos to your uh, music videos. You know, there uh, oftentimes, you know, the, if people do both, there's kind of a reflection. It it seems like, uh, however, you, you know, you kind of a, it seems to be there's a different approach. Is that uh, kind of calculated, or is that something that just kind of happened naturally? Yeah, that just kind of happened naturally. Like usually, the the comedy shorts and stuff I that I make, I act in, and when I'm acting in stuff, it's usually pretty silly. It's a lot sillier than anything else I make. So I don't know. That that's just kind of how it how it happens. And you know, I have two kind of sides of, you know, two two like two different, you know, I guess styles. And one one's really you know, it's a lot. It's pretty serious and 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 heartfelt and kind of more exploring like uh, surreal surrealism. Um, and the other one is like, you know, like the comedy shorts and just kind of goofy. And, uh, but still having, a, you know, some like, uh, you know, levels of, of, you know, having to be cinematic still and, you know, putting some like, some, some artistic thought into it. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of something that, that just happens naturally. We're mainly asking because we, we'd like to see your family in a music video. Oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> will, it ha- happen. will it happen one of these days? It's, it's, happening, uh, it's happening in March. I have a video coming up in March. Oh, and great. they're going to be in it. Yeah. I actually just did a, a, my first real comedy music video. That It'll be coming out in the next couple of days. Oh, nice. Who, uh, uh, can you tell us who it's for? I can't I, for this particular one. I can't say who who it's for. Actually, when, when is this going to come out? This podcast uh, tomorrow. <sighs> we can wait. No, no. Uh, um, no, we'll, me, no, we'll wait. We'll wait. I might get I might get in trouble. No, we don't it's, want you to get in trouble. It's, it's okay. One of those. Yeah, it's, but it's it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be good. Were you are you in that or or is it is it just no? I'm, no, it's I'm I'm not in it, and it's kind of like. Um, a fusion of the two worlds, I guess. You know, it's got, I think it's got a nice blend of, of, you know, the stuff I've been doing with the comedies and also with the music videos. So I'm excited about it. Now, in your music videos also, there's there's a few different areas that, um, you know, styles, I guess, I guess we could categorize them. In, and I want to talk about a, a few of them. Um, and, and you know, in the, in the Origin magazine article uh, about about you, you know, the video for Glitch Mob mm-hmm. is described as an experimental film scored by Glitch Mob. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a few of your videos, they're uh, you know, they're very conceptual and, and and surreal and and very cinematic in that way. Do you see them at more as mu- and a lot? Some of them are for songs that don't have any lyrics or not really pop songs in a in a sense. Uh, I mean, do you see those more as experimental films or as traditional music videos? Um, I look at them, yeah, more like mini movies. That's how I like to look at. That's how. That's kind of always been my approach, uh, especially as of the last couple of years with music videos. Because um, I think it was around the time that I, either on the Eskimo video or the TV on the radio video, was we were like we were blocking out a scene and. And you know, we were just there was no, it was just like a purely narrative part. And I was just like, this is this. It just felt so good. It was it was just like, 
one of those moments where I was like, ah, oh, this is totally what I'm supposed to be doing. So since then, I've been, I've just been really focusing on doing, you know, narrative stuff. So I just kind of try to treat each music video as a chance to to grow as a narrative director and and to and to different to try different ideas and to work with with musicians like and get them to have some real authentic performances, you know, and and like a lot of vulnerability and and uh, so yeah, I, I kind of look at the music videos as a chance to do that. And does um, that does that narrative element come from the story usually, or are you bring that to it? Um, well, I think it's just, that's just what I, that's just like the kind of music videos I like the most. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's also like the, what I like to do the most, you know, it's, I think for a director, it's, it's, it's super important to be like, really inspired throughout the whole process, you know, when you're making a video, because you're the one that has to, you know, kind of like bring it to life throughout the whole process. You know, like you're there from like the conceptualization, writing, and then the production and the post-production. It's like you you really have to love what you're doing. So for me, I just really love doing narrative stuff and telling stories in that way rather than doing stuff that's more, you know, just like kind of more more like band performance driven or I think it's important to have that in in your, you know, in your videos, but I like to, to weave that into the narrative, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and to that point, um, I, I watched in, uh, in the Ellie Goulding behind the scenes video that you've got on your website, um, how you talk about how you want to try to have a, like a deeper meaning behind some of those, some of the effects in that video, um, which, you know, as a, you know, someone just kind of like watching a pop video, um, might not pick up on those deeper meanings. Is it, um, important to you that those meanings also come across or do you want to just are are they just important to make sure that you know why you're doing certain effects and 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 making certain decisions for your own kind of reason you know self behind it yeah i think it's a little bit of both like i i want to you know, I I want to, it. It's important for me to know what you know why I'm doing making all the decisions. You know, with the story, and so I need to know what what everything means. And what I'm really the the most important thing is like what what am I saying with this video or with this project? You know, like and people don't necessarily have to get it, but um, for me, like that, I think that's one of the most important parts about about directing is like really having something to say and saying it. And you could be just trying to express like a feeling, or you could just be expressing. Um, you know, there could be a whole, you know, kind of backstory about what you're trying to do. And I think that goes down to every, you know, it goes to every department, you know, with the effects and with the cinematography and the acting. And, and that's something that, that, um, BMO and I, you know, have always really, it's been really important to us to like, you know, really, um, be really conscious about why we're making certain decisions. And I think that, you know, that's, that's, Kind of how it's going to be though, where, where some people will, will will get it and some people won't. But like maybe there's a subconscious element where they, you know, it, it gets in there. But um, yeah, I think it's it's I think it's important for me and and as well as like hoping that people will pick up on it as well. So one music video that we definitely wanted to talk specifically about is the TV on the radio will do music video. It got you know as you know got a lot of press and a lot of attention paid to it um and it's a really fantastic music video that has you know a, a concept but a real you know interesting narrative element to it where, where did that concept come from and how did the development of that music video uh come about yeah um i had been collecting a bunch of photos of all the virtual reality goggles and uh and i, I and then i just it just kind of made sense that the virtual reality goggles could be like a way to give people kind of a uh, dreamlike, psychedelic, kind of surreal experience, but have it be really based in, in something that's like, something that people can understand. Um, it's like a practical thing that's giving you this experience. And so I just thought that that would be a, such a cool idea. And I know they've made some virtual reality like videos like back like they did the Aerosmith one or something back in the day. That's pretty funny. But um 
that I, that I think one someone even pointed out, which was really funny, and when they like on one of the blogs, it was it was hilarious. But um, I have, yeah, I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check that out. I did yeah, not check know Aerosmith did a virtual reality video. It's it's really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I actually pitched that idea to a couple of people, and but it was, it still was hadn't totally developed like the whole narrative it was more just about giving the people that you know that experience with the goggles but then once i heard the song and um and it just like it just kind of came through once i started writing it i just i was like oh this is the perfect opportunity to to do this idea and, and uh and where did those yeah. you know what they're imagining the things that you know they want to experience through virtual reality where did those come from did it comes from the band or 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 from your original conception yeah it's it's pretty close to the original treatment oh, okay um the band didn't really i mean they gave they gave us a lot of creative freedom and a lot of trust which was really really nice and tunde the lead singer had seen the eskimo video mm-hmm. and really and you know my rep uh danielle uh you know, mentioned that he really resonated with that. So I kind of, you know, went with something that was kind of similar in in, in a certain way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was, that one was, was such an amazing experience throughout the whole process. It was so fun. It really works. Yeah. No, that, it definitely works. Where did, where did the, the goggles, I, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, physical visual elements in it. And the goggles are such a, a unique physical presence in there. Where did where did those come from? Who created those? So we got the. I found out that we got the video on like a Saturday, and I was supposed to be on a plane on a Tuesday to New York, and you know we didn't have any goggles yet. So I I called up um, um, Mindy LeBrock, who has done a lot of costume design for me on on some other jobs, and she also did. Uh, they're really talented. They did the those Yesair videos, Radical Friend ones, and mm-hmm. they're just really artistically. They're just they're just really amazing and, and have really good taste. And so she re- she recommended these two twin brothers, um, Nikolai and Simon Haas, here in L.A. And I you know I called them up and I met with them, you know, and they they I just showed them photographs of kind of what I wanted, and they basically busted it out in like a day and a half. Nice. And and then we were on a plane with them on the way to New York. So, and, and Danielle actually had to fly with us to New York in a, in a bag. Checked they, or checked or carry on. Carry on. Cause they were so <laughs> fragile. We didn't want to check them. And, and, and so I was like, Oh, she's for sure going to get so hassled. These things look crazy, <laughs> but they didn't even stop her. They didn't even open the bag, which is like crazy to me. It's a good old like PSA. We, we see these all the time. These 3d goggles. Not again. Um, I know. Uh, you mentioned flying from LA to New York to for that for the purpose of that video and and uh, you know you've that wouldn't be the first time that you've traveled for a video or um, and it wouldn't be the furthest either uh, for the Ellie Goulding video you you went to London to film that video um, a lot of people that we interview kind of do videos for people who are around them you know they're in LA and New York which is so saturated with artists that they don't really need to travel to get work um, is it uh, is it more about the artist, or is it? Is there something like how 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 do you achieve these these uh you know how does these come about where you end up traveling so far to shoot these music videos? Well, it usually has to do with where the artist is and their schedule because they they you know depending on on you know like usually if we're making a video for an artist it's because they have you know they just had an album come out and they're about to start touring so their schedules are usually pretty crazy so. The reason we went to New York for TV on the radio is um, is because Gerard was was really sick and he couldn't fly, so that was the main reason that we did that. And I, I mean, I, I always like going to other places other than LA just because it's it's a lot of I love traveling and there's just a lot of magic when you do a video that's like outside of your own element and a lot of like just kind of letting things happen. Um, and, uh, it was just fun. London was, was really crazy cause we, we got in, you know, flew for 16 hours and then went straight to a casting session. And then the next day we, we were, oh yeah, went to the casting session and a couple hours later we were location scouting, you know, never seen, you know, England before in my life. And then, uh, 
two days later we were shooting and uh, it rained for like the first three hours of the day so it was uh it, it was a little intense that park where you guys shot where, where is that um that was about an hour outside of london and i can't remember what town it's in but it was it was fairly easy to get to yeah i think it was surrey siri surrey not siri like on the iphone but surrey <laughs> yeah surrey yeah you know, you mentioned traveling for the Gym Class Heroes Ask Back Home video. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, your video is following um, Gym Class Heroes, you know, th while they're around touring. Were, were you touring with them to, to do that or or um, how did that work? Well, originally, yeah, we were supposed to tour with them. So this was like kind of an interesting experience because I, I had to kind of switch up the whole kind of way we were going to execute the video, like kind of once we got to, we flew into Detroit and we were supposed to uh, go on tour with gym class, you know, shoot their show in Detroit and then they're gonna go to um, uh, Cleveland. We're gonna shoot that show and meanwhile we'd set up places where we're gonna do the hotel and, and what I really wanted to do was do like an on the road video but have it be really cinematic and really like set up scenes rather than just like documenting whatever they were doing. And you know, go out there with like a, with a good camera and really make it feel like you know, a really real but cinematic experience. Um, but we got to Detroit and, and uh, Travi had gotten sick and they ended up canceling a bunch of two, a bunch of shows. So we basically had to, we, we were in Detroit and we drove from Detroit to New York and along the way we were just shooting stuff and I just kind of um, was able to work all those shots into the video of like showing a lot of uh, traveling and distance um, towards the end of the video. And then we, we ended up, we caught up with the band and we shot a day in New Jersey and then and then one day in New York. So I was only with the band for a day. Well, yeah, because I mean, with the video, it feels like, you know, weeks weeks are going by. So it was a challenge to find, you know, different kind of environments to make it feel like it was a longer, longer trip? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I always like to have you know, especially because for narrative videos, it's I think it's important to have two days of shooting. You don't always get that mm -hmm. because I think you you need that that just that extra the extra day to like really show that past you know more time. Um, you know, I think once we got the, you know realized like kind of what was going to happen with the video and yeah, I mean it's it was it was I don't know it was, a, it was an interesting experience because. I didn't really know what was going to happen. <laughs> um, like the uh, like, we just kind of were like shooting all this, you know, these different. Like, I had a vision of how it was going to be, but we were just shooting all these different locations. And then once we got to New Jersey and, and met up with the band and met up with Travi, then I realized that you know he was kind of going to be telling this story from, you know, like making the hotel look like a bunch of different places. So we shot all over that hotel and then on the bus. And then after that first day, I, I knew that we'd be fine just because we had so much footage. So now the the yeah. two videos that you've done for I mean for Jim Class Heroes and Travi McCoy are are more of you know like kind of more literal for the song. You know, for the Travi McCoy you know music video, it takes place in you know basically a a, a big party. And then for the Ass Back Home video, it's it's very literal in terms of you, you know what's happening the uh i'm terrible ex explaining music videos but is there a reason why you know for for that artist that um you know the music videos are a little more a little bit more literal does it come out of the song or does he pref kind of prefer them that way um i think there's just some songs that that if you wrote something that wasn't kind of literal it would be kind of weird Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think that's like those, especially Ask Back Home, it just like was, I mean, he's telling such a story with the, with the lyrics, you know, it's like very specific about, you know, this like long distance relationship. And it just like, when I was writing, it just made sense that it would be like that. The, um, the other video was actually, there was, I had to kind of, um, once again, kind of shift my idea for that one. Um, that was my first like big, like or like major label video, and I wrote this like super ambitious treatment where they were like, it wasn't just at a house party. It was like 
them running all around town. It was still it's still pretty literal, but um, you know, I was a little disappointed with that because I didn't. I like the video, but I, you know, I, it's hard when you write something and you're really stoked about you know the whole the whole idea, and then you have to kind of just do a, a section of it. And that's the only time that I've had to do it. But I just had to do it for budgetary reasons and just logistics of like not being able to be as you know fluid running around town. What are some of the ways that you're like able to to make that work? You know, when when it's something that you know you didn't pre-plan for to go a certain way, and you kind of are left to work with what you have. Like, what are what are some of the techniques that you use to to make something like that work? Well, I'm I'm a big believer, and especially with with. Uh, any any artistic en- endeavors is making your weaknesses your strengths. So like when stuff happens and and it seems like it's a big deal because it's not how I imagined it, I try to embrace it and see how it can make the the idea better. Because um, I, I I don't know I just really believe that there's a lot of magic to making videos or making films. It takes so much energy and you have so many you have like a lot of really creative talented people who are really good at specific things and you know I, I always feel like most of the time it's it's a lot better than how I how I ever imagined it you know just because of certain things happen or there's I really like to be in the moment with stuff and just kind of go with what's with what's working you know you work with you know two other people David Merrick uh, is a cinematographer and Brandon you mentioned before BMO uh, yeah it, it, you pronounce it Herzl like, uh, Brandon Herzl, yeah. yeah, for for visual effects. I mean, does that does that help working with with a with a core team? You know, uh, multiple times to to uh, respond to things like that. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Because you just you build a creative relationship and a creative language with each other, and and there's a lot of trust and a lot of like, you know, uh, just freedom with all, like, you know, especially with. I, I feel like there's a lot of. Yeah, there's just a lot of trust. So it just like, it just if someone gets an idea, and you know, there's just like I, I I want people to to be able to like explore that as long as it makes sense with what we're doing, mm-hmm. and then uh, and it's just a lot more fun <laughs> to, to to make stuff with your friends, you know. Not have to meet new so, people, but it's yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I love working with new people as well, but you know, I think we all really understand each other and where we're coming from, and. It's just we, you know, there's a, there's a magic to that between that like, you know, trifactor, the Trinity, <laughs> the Trinity. Uh, one of the things we we also wanted to ask about uh, one of the other friends of the podcast, Hero Marai, is also involved with you in um, uh, something that's called OMG Everywhere. And instead of me kind of umming my way through it. Um, I wonder if you could maybe uh, describe what that is a little bit and uh, and how that came about. Yeah, um, OMG Cameras Everywhere is a music video camp for kids where a bunch of directors teach um, kids from, I think this summer was 11 to, or no, 10 to 16, how to make videos. And uh, it, it kind of, it was the, the uh, it was concepted by Isaac Ravashankara and the Daniels. And uh, they kind of like spearheaded the whole thing and kind of made it happen and then, and then brought, you know, myself and uh, a bunch of other music video directors um, kind of, you know, on board. And, and then it was, it was honestly one of the funnest weeks of my entire life. Can't wait for the next one. Now, what is it about? I mean, everybody we've we've mentioned this to has thought it's like a really amazing idea because it, it's something that you know we definitely haven't heard of before. I mean, what makes you know bringing kids into the into the play here, especially for music videos, what makes that appealing? Well, it's you know I, I think giving back to the kids. I mean, is where where it's at. You know, these are like I think it's really beautiful to share knowledge. You know, especially with with I, I think back on like. If I if there was a camp like this when I was younger, it would have been life changing, you know. And maybe some of these kids go on to do something in music videos, or, or maybe they don't. But I think still, like anytime you're pushing kids to be creative and and supporting them to to like explore their creativity and and working with them that, that in that way is 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 just 
super positive. And for us, it's like, you know, I, I think we're all kind of just big kids. I think most people are big kids. Uh, some people show up more than others, but I know myself and the Daniels and Isaac and Jack Richards and all those guys, Hero, they're all, I mean, we're all just like had such a fun time. I think we maybe had more fun than the kids did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's really rare that you get, I mean, so much of like all of our worlds is like we are co constantly pitching on jobs and it's, it's kind of can be, when you're not on set, being a director can kind of be a little lonely sometimes, you know, like you're just kind of in your own world and seeing what's going on on the internet and then you have to, you know, a small group of people you work with in pre and post production. But it's really nice for all of us to like, you know, all be around each other making stuff for a week and working with the kids and, you know, I, I learned a lot that week. Like, it was really cool. And, uh, yeah, it was just an amazing experience. And, and the other thing that, you know, we found interesting about it, we've seen it written OMG cameras everywhere and cameras everywhere and OMG everywhere. Which which is the official name? I think the official name is OMG everywhere because of we couldn't get the the OMG cameras everywhere URL. Oh. <laughs> so it was originally OMG cameras everywhere because the the other idea is that you know now iPhones have like HD quality and there there really are cameras everywhere cameras on your on your computers and and we just really wanted to like you know, embrace that and, and see what we can make just with whatever kind of cameras we're lying around. So a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the videos we made were done on flip cam and GoPro and iPhones and it was really fun. Nice. Yeah. Super fun. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the group of directors that took part in this, like the Daniels and Hiro Murai and, and yourself, you know, one of the things we're, we're interested in is kind of the, you know, resurgence of music videos over the past, you know, four or five years online. And I was wondering if, if, if you had any perspective or, or take on the sort of community that you, in, you know, in LA or elsewhere that's sort of sprouting up to create these music videos. Because, you know, we're finding more and more directors who are, you know, uh, calling themselves music video directors, whereas five years ago, they'd be few and far between. Um, you know, do you, have, do you have any comment on what's happening in that respect? Um, yeah, it's um, it's an amazing time for uh, for music video directors. You know, it's the the budgets have gone down, but like the the creative freedom that you have because things are on the internet and the the ability to get your video seen by like millions of people and the amount of like there's a lot of there still are a lot of I think there's way more amazing music than there were ten years ago just because. You know, you don't have big labels just giving a, a handful of people like all the all the exposure. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be like just making art in your room or making music in your room, and and uh, you know, have it be heard by millions of people, and all of a sudden you're like a huge music, you know, music star. And so I think it's it is really, and and also the fact that the technology has changed to where you can really, you know, make there's no excuse to, to not like make something beautiful or, or like awesome or have it look good, you know, just because it's like, even you could shoot something on 5d and 5ds look great, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, um, I think there's that. And I also think that, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of like really amazing like-minded people here in LA that are, a lot of us have the same, you know, there's only really two reps that, in in my opinion, that in uh, in Los Angeles, uh, there's there's Doomsday and then there's Lark, Creative, I think it is, and a lot of a lot of us all on on um, on Doomsday are all like super super friends, you know, mm -hmm. super super buddies, um, and there's just like there's a there's just a real feeling of like like community. There's it's not it's like a healthy competition, but it's not really competitive at all. It's just. You know, there's there's just a bunch of like really amazing people. It's it's a really cool time to be doing music videos. Nice. It's a weird it's a weird industry to be to be in. Um, <laughs> How's that? Um, because you know, it's like 
you're making you're essentially making commercials for bands, but you're not doing them with the budgets that commercials get. But you have you have more of you know almost more like demands on you with like the amount of time you have to do them, and you know you have you're working with musicians who also have a lot of um, creative opinions who are also artists. You know, so it's it's definitely an interesting, you know, platform. But I love it. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I the guy in TV and the radio rocks significant beard. It, everybody's doing the beards now. You're doing the beard. Shaq's got a beard. Guy from TV on the radio is rocking a beard. Um, Shaq? Yeah. Is that what you said, Shaq? Are you call, um, supposed to call him Shaquille O'Neal? No, I was just like, uh, I. it was weird that he, it's not usual that his name makes it into our podcast, but it, it, I guess it was <laughs> fitting. It, uh, the guy from TV on the radio, though, the thing is like this, like uh, if beards are in now, you know, the guy from TV on the radio, even if that beard is brand new, quote unquote, he had to have started that many, 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 many months, if not years ago. So he was he was before the craze, even if that beard is brand new. But I don't think it's brand new at all. Hmm. So um, that's all I'm saying about beards. I got a lot to say about beards. Quick, Can we do a quick check in with your beard? How's it going? It's going strong still, still keeping, still keeping it going, still making it happen. Uh, I'm, I'm amongst, amongst months me uh <laughs> still keep still <laughs> still keeping it going although it's been protested several times by uh many yes. people close to me besides your significant other uh, have any other family members raised any protests no family members but some work associates uh <laughs> but uh you know whatever who cares about anybody uh nobody i guess it's, well uh you know let's do our picks of the week I mean, that's something people care about, our picks. Let's do it. Who wants to go first? Either. I'll go first. Okay, do it. I think you went first last time. Um, anyway, so uh, my pick of the week, I've been kind of interested, and I think we're going to get into this. I'd like to get into the, this in the podcast upcoming in in the coming months, uh, is uh, foreign music videos. And, uh, you know, f- Spoiler alert, I was doing some prep for an upcoming music videos and looking at, uh, or some upcoming podcasts and looking at a list of the most expensive music videos ever made. And you will recognize almost every single one of these artists except for one, and that is Ayumi Hamasaki. And she has five music videos on the top, uh, I think this is the top 30, yeah, 30 music videos of the top 30 number one uh, uh, most expensive video has ever made so uh, my pick of the week is her number one most expensive video called my name's women uh directed by waturo uh Take- i took japanese in college i can't even pronounce this uh Take- takeishi and just a quick little thing about this woman ayumi hamasaki because really interesting because you know we're in america I know throughout the world, uh, other countries and other cultures enjoy and know a little bit about American pop culture in terms of music, but we don't really know a lot about Japanese if, if you're not into that kind of thing. And uh, this woman has been around since 1998, and she's the first female singer to have eight studio albums uh, debut in the top of the Oricon, um, and the first artist to have a number one album for 13 consecutive years since her, her, her debut. Which I think is just really incredible. And if you don't, uh, if you're if you're not familiar, the Oricon is like the Billboard in, in Japan. Um, and I mean, she debuted in 1998. She's only 33 years old, so she's been around for for quite a while. Uh, she was 20 when she came onto the scene. Uh, but anyway, this music video is interesting. Uh, I find it interesting because it features so many uh, Westerners, uh, people who are not of Asian descent. It takes place in this some sort of all all girls club like some sort of cabaret where these um, Asian men are are dancing and then uh, this uh, woman Ayumi Hamasaki comes onto the scene and sort of 
blows them away. It's a kind of, I mean, it's a little bit hard to follow what's going on, uh, but I am not really sure where the $2 million budget went, although it is a very fine looking music video, but I think for, to start our, uh, our journey into the world of foreign music videos, that is a good one to take a look at. The most expensive by one of the most successful Japanese pop artists, uh, female pop artists of all time. So there it is. Word up. Um, thanks for making it easy for, on me to find uh, that song to play behind you when you talk. It's on YouTube, don't worry. Yeah, whatever. And it better be. <laughs> spending $2 million on it. Uh, if it's not on YouTube, where the fuck did they put it? Um, so my POW um, is by a band called Real Estate, and the song is e- called Easy. It's the name of the song. It's called Easy. Uh, and this video is directed by Tom Sharpling, uh, who you may a name you may recognize from other areas, uh, radio and and you know TV even. But uh, he also directs music videos, some really awesome music videos, and this uh, his latest this one that I'm t- discussing currently uh, is no different um, and what I really love about this video, I mean this video is just great on paper, the concept in general uh, it, it is essentially uh, a street team for the band who kind of heavy handedly um, kind of puts you know, tries to uh, get the band's music out there, they kind of like run up on people and like force them to listen to music and you know, are very violent and, and aggressive in their in their tactics. Um, and then they try to pay off a radio DJ to play the music. And um, when he is unwilling, they uh, kidnap him and take him to the woods. And uh, uh, and uh, well, I'll I'll let you watch it for the rest. But there's there's some twists in this hilarious and violent video that you you'll probably enjoy. Really funny stuff, uh, and uh, the video features uh, some people you may recognize, which is not uncommon in Tom Sharpling's videos. He's uh, he's a friend to the comedy community, at, to say the least, and he often um, enlists the help of uh, you know people from that community in his videos, and you'll see. Some of them, uh, Adam mentioned Stereo Gum before, the senior editor of Video Gum, which is like Stereo Gum's sister site. Uh, um, Gabe is in this video as as one of the street team members, and a uh, super good video for you to enjoy to watch with your eyes. And um, uh, it's it's good that we got on the site. Typically, Tom Sharpling's videos are premiered on Funny or Die, which means we have to wait a little while for them to get um onto our site because we currently don't support funny or die embeds but uh could you it's there I, now i think I, I i should add funny or die embeds because i'm sure there's i mean i just haven't done it i'm sure it's easy um well you could you could just make it you could just put a place for the entire embed code can't you yeah but that's yeah i, I couldn't do that all right it's Inside baseball. Anyway, um, <laughs> pretty soon, pretty soon we'll open it up for embeds of all kinds. Uh, but until then, you have to wait a few days. But those few days are up because you can watch the real estate easy video on Filmed Insert right now, and you should because it's my pick of the week. Great pick, Doug. That was a good show. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I, re- I that was a great app. Great app. We're, we're kicking 2012 in, in a lot of places, not just its ass. It's getting kicked all on all sides, front and back. You can say whatever you want, because I, I always mark if we if we have a, an explicit tag, and you said fuck earlier, so I gotta, I gotta. We should just do it and make ourselves seem badass. Yeah, like it's like ooh, taboo. Uh, look at these guys are explicit uh, music videos and. <laughs> Me and explicit. That's uh, like. 
Wait, is it Starry Eyed or Starry Eyes? Uh, it's one of those. Um, Why did I just close a goddamn tab at the exact same listen, time? Listen, listen, Adam, don't don't get mad at yourself, okay? This is all of our faults. Um, I'm doing this again. I'm going again. Okay? <laughs> um, 